This is episode 60 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is the founder of the Sales Rebellion, Dale Dupree. Let's get it started. Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Excited to have you here for episode 60, uh, where I bring on Dale Dupree, um, who started the Sales Rebellion. Um, you guys may know him online if you're on LinkedIn a lot. Um, used to be kind of the copier warrior. He was under that um, that name or that tagline or whatever you want to call it, um, if you will. But he's now transitioned over the past you know, four or five months um, to starting a, a sales training company um, called the Sales Rebellion, trying to do it a little bit differently um, than maybe some others out there. But definitely recommend you guys check him online. Um, go to thesalesrebellion.com um, and see what work he's up to. But, you know, I came across Dale about two years ago. Um, we run in a lot of the same circles with mutual connections, um, a couple former guests that have been on this podcast. And I really wanted to have him on because, you know, after reading a lot of his stuff and seeing some of his videos and those type of things, we definitely run in similar um, kind of thought patterns, if you will, in terms of sales and, and kind of how you should treat your, your customer and those type of things. So I wanted him to come on, share his journey, share his insight and, and some of his knowledge that he's learned over the years. Um, and he has some really cool stories and things that he learned a long time ago from his dad. Um, that he takes with him to today and, and those type of things. So I think you guys will absolutely enjoy um, this wide-ranging conversation that we get into. Um, if I can make one quick ask before we jump in the episode, I don't do this often, but since we're on episode 60 and kind of progressing through here, if you guys do enjoy this podcast, if you're getting some value out of it, if you don't mind, head over to iTunes, leave me a review. I know Apple doesn't make it the easiest, so when you're actually on you know, my uh, podcast page, you have to scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll see where you can write a review. You can leave a rating as well. So if you guys don't mind doing that, taking a minute out of your day after you finish listening to this, I certainly would appreciate it. Um, it's only going to give me a chance to you know see what you guys like and, and make this podcast better each and every episode. So I thank you very much. I, I'm so grateful to even have the opportunity to have some sort of an audience, folks that want to listen in on this, are enjoying it um, and hearing that great feedback um, so I can keep improving this um, each and every day. Okay, so without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Dale Dupree. Let's get it started. Dale, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Brian, it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, man, I'm so excited to uh, to chat with you. I know this has been a long time coming. I've uh, been wanting you on the show for a while. And, you know, we have, it was funny, you know, we have such a, so many mutual connections, um, like on LinkedIn. A lot of those folks have been on the podcast and like, it's, it's just cool. It's like, all right, man, I got Dale here. This is awesome. We're going to have some <laughs> no good, good discussions. Um, how are things going with the uh, Sales Rebellion? I know you just launched that recently. What's What's been going on? Yeah, we're coming up on our four-month anniversary so we we started march 1st yeah so so we're we're just coming up on our four-month anniversary and things have been awesome so far i mean we've had exponential growth the the word is getting out and getting around i i'm i mean i honestly i'm speechless over the growth that we've had just from the perspective of understanding like how long it typically takes for a startup to to get from a to z and and all the growing pains in between and you know truly the problems that we have are good problems to have. And, and I'm extremely grateful for that. I feel very blessed in the process and I owe it to my community more than anybody else. And so it keeps me motivated from that perspective to see this kind of growth and that I know where it comes from and, and I know what I'm giving back to. And because I'm resolved in that and I have a purpose for my existence, you know, it just feels natural. And I, and, and again, so I, I don't feel lost <laughs> in this process. You know, I'm not sitting back questioning, should I, or, or what should I do even from that perspective, you know, next, it's just, this is happening the right way. And I need to continue to just allow it to be. Yeah. And you keep kind of going through those motions and, and just trust in the process. You know, no one knows all the answers, uh, <laughs> right. It's just yeah. a matter of you kind of go with the gut a little bit and, and hopefully you, right. you're on the right path. Um, Absolutely. So, so I'm curious, and again, I want to get in some sales discussion with you because I think it's helpful for a lot of the audience. Um, but so obviously you were the copier warrior, right? Everyone knew you as that for a while. Why did you tell me about the switch over? 
Tell me about the switch over, the self-talk you went through. Was that a tough process? Help me through that um, that time. Yeah, you know, I think copiers actually helped me to find my calling. And and more than anything, I, I, I believe that what I'm doing isn't much different from the perspective of my outlook and the end result that I am trying to create in my walk, which is that even as a copier salesman, my focus was on the people that I was serving and the impact I was making inside of my community. And because of that, you know, naturally, when when you start off as an individual contributor, you, you are a little bit lost no matter what. You know, even if if I always wanted to do sales and my dad did sales or my granddad did sales or whatever the case may be. And by the way, my both of those people did sales in my life. As a matter of fact, my my uncle also uh, my dad's only brother was is is a great salesman as well too and and a leader in the business world as well too and what's funny even funnier is it's copiers <laughs> so toner runs in my blood truly right but you know when when I sat back and I looked at my walk and the, and the natural progression for me and and the things that again that I wanted as a result and as an outcome with my walk which was to breathe life back into people you know taking a leadership role and becoming a VP of sales was natural. And in the process of doing that, you know, I realized that it is actually a little bit bigger and and you can have more impact, which is what I, again, what I'm focused on when you're sitting in a position where you're teaching a group of gentlemen and ladies to go out and engage the community that you're trying to impact in the first place. Um, from that leadership perspective and from that organic grassroots view, right? Where you can sit back and say, all right, so it's one thing to have really good reps inside of your company. It's another thing to be able to lead really good reps inside of your company from you know the heart of the matter, from the core engine that's, that's setting the stage for the outcome that we're looking for, right? So I, I became addicted basically to teaching young reps to make more money than me <laughs> is, is, is really kind of how I looked at it. And in the process of doing that, I, I also help those young reps to understand that you can focus on that commission check if you want, but if you take it off and you put it toward the people that you're serving, and again, I, I've used the word impact like 9,000 times so far, and we're like five minutes in, but if if you can focus on the impact that you're having and the experience that you're giving that local community and your prospects, fulfillment will be found inside of there. And, and, and watching reps come to this awakening, it just, again, it became something that I had to do. And, and so, you know, progressing through my career, going into corporate America and getting that 30,000 foot view that I just, I needed in order to make the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to full-time train salespeople. And, and at first I thought I'll just train copier salespeople, but I also sat back and thought to myself, you know, I mentor tons of reps, you know, guys my age, you know, guys and girls my age that are older than me, that are younger than me, um, just because probably mostly because they, they, from the outside and they, they look and they see the success I've had and they want to replicate it to some extent. And so I'm, I'm honored and humbled when, when folks come to me and ask me for help. But, but when I sat back, I thought, man, I, I, I know how a financial advisor should be approaching their marketplace, you know, cause I've done it with them. I've sat and mastermind the whole plan and put it together. And I did it from this, again, this, this more of a, an approach of what are my values and, and ethics and morals, you know, they are to help people. Like that's the foundation of, of Dale Dupree and, and the Dupree legacy across the board. Uh, when it comes to the the sales profession that I walk in, right? Because my father was a servant. And, and so to sit back and say, I, I don't just know these things because they've made me money. <laughs> I know them because I've, I've put blood, sweat, and tears into helping these people become legends inside of their vertical. So why wouldn't I take that foundation and replicate it out to, to different industries? So I help people in insurance, real estate, I mean, logistics, Right. I, you, you name it from that perspective. It, it's been it has been a lot of fun. And, and so the transition for me is actually pretty natural. And, and, and it's something that I've, I started as the copier warrior. But but to clarify, the copier warrior is dead, bro. We buried him. He's in a tomb locked away somewhere, you know, very yeah. So we, we, uh, one of the things that people don't know yet, uh, you're getting an exclusive here is that 
we are, we're launching an app. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it'll be mobile friendly and desktop friendly as well too, but it's a monthly membership piece through the sales rebellion where you can pay very low dollar amount monthly, uh, and get high level training. And one of the things inside of it is that we've gamified the whole system. And when you get to the end and you've leveled up far enough, you actually unlock the copier warriors tomb and you find the things that we've hidden in there for you to use on your sales walk. So, so uh, yeah, there's your exclusive. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Well, and you said something too, I, I definitely want to underscore you're talking about impact. And, and I think that's where, you know, anyone, and I don't care where you're at in your career, but especially, you know, younger sales professionals or younger folks that are trying to, you know, get more experience trying to, you know, whatever, whatever products they're selling, right. There's a couple routes you can go. There's certainly folks that can claim they've been successful, the snake oil, oil salesman type. And I'm sure there's probably some out there. But the reality is, especially nowadays, and, and I think you'll agree with this, is you have to have, I like to think of it as like your tour guide, right? We're not just throwing someone out to the wolves. We actually want to guide them to the best solution. Sometimes that is our product. Sometimes it's not. The reality, though, is if you actually have that empathy on it and, and you care about the person you're working with, in the long run, it's it's a big win, right? It's that, that lifetime engagement. And I think you would probably agree with that, right? You're not just trying to get a quick win and, and cash the commission check. Right. Yeah. That's the, the mindset of the long-term versus instant gratification. Instant gratification is, is fleeting constantly, right? That's why we chase it because it's always leaving. <laughs> so, you know, the, the long-term look, I agree. It's, it's the best way to, to live your sales walk. And so I want to get into the, some of that stuff, but I do want to take a step back as I always like to do kind of in the conversations, a lot of folks like yourself is, and, and you do talk a lot on, online about your dad and, and what you learned from him and those type of things. Can you take us back to childhood and growing up, kind of being in the presence of someone that, you know, was a sales professional that had some good ethics, you know, that how did you learn in that process? Can you take us back there? Yeah, man, happy to. I I can still remember being a kid and and riding out in my dad's van to the office. It was adventurous, right? You know, we drove 44 miles from College Park to Titusville, Florida. And, and there's a story behind that. But but the long story short is that, <clears throat> A, my mother wouldn't let my dad move. And B, my dad quit his job and had a non-compete. And so he went right to the border of that non-compete and opened up his office on the other side of it to, to, to provide for a, a different community that he he partially knew just because he had been out in those areas, but they weren't necessarily on his map and on his list. Right. So he, he started fresh um, and he did it with integrity, uh, which is a, 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 you know, integrity, the word is so cliche these days, I like to use it, but, but it is a core principle that we should just naturally walk by. And and my dad was exuded it in, in his walk. And so we would drive, you know, over the St. John's river here in Florida and, you know, there's at the time too, there's like nothing on this drive at a certain point, you kind of leave Orlando and you're in the sticks. And that's why I always laughed when my mom, as I started to learn, you know, over the years that my mom didn't want to move out there. I thought, you know, I don't blame her. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not Orlando. Right. So, you know, so I had lots of roles at the office, you know, for the most part, I was just the owner's son. And, and sometimes, you know, dad just took us to the office throughout the summer so that my mom could, my mom homeschooled me and all uh, three of my siblings. I think we all turned out pretty okay. Also, it's, it's not the kind of homeschool that you see on the documentaries on Netflix, by the way, like we actually had classes and co-ops and I played sports in the community. I was very active and very social. Um, and, and at the same time too, my parents were able to spend more time with us and they were able to breathe life into us as well and give us more of a classical education. One, one more choice was, was the focus and, and coming up with our own opinions and, and molding us into adults. And so like the office time was fun, right? Because I think, you know, a lot of kids might think back and they think, you yeah, my dad owned a business and we went to it as well. And they, they might feel nostalgic like I do. And then there's others that, that are, if they feel the opposite, especially because they interned there when they were in high school or whatever, and they thought, I never want to do this, <laughs> you know? And, right. and so that the story goes both ways. Right. But I'll tell you that my, my dad's business was a place of wonder for me. And, you know, I can, I can remember being a kid and playing hide and go seek in the back and getting older and having roles inside of the organization, like, you know, sweeping the floors or cleaning the windows and learning work ethic and understanding, you know, what it took to operate a business that provided for our, our lifestyle, our home, where my mother, you know, was waiting because she would never leave there and come to Titusville. And the concept for me was, 
romantic as well too. And there was a blurred line, you know, what, who my dad was at work, he was at home. He treated his employees like family. He treated his clients like family. It, to, to, to me, you know, I getting to watch that, I would say that it was probably the, the defining factor behind my success because I understood that, you know, the first time I got a note from somebody when I pros- was prospecting them that I had something for them though. I know that you think <laughs> that, that I'm just a salesperson, but because I knew these truths behind the scene and I knew the way that I would treat them and that the company would treat them and that my father would treat them, um, I was encouraged by those things. And so I, a no was more or less just you'd walk out of the office kind of nodding your head thinking, I'll be back, right? It was, it was something that taught us perseverance as well too. And not from the perspective of get the deal, but from the perspective of I can have an impact on these people and they don't know it yet, but I'll, I'll earn it because I believe that credibility is built and not bought. So small business and my dad's office and growing up in it created you know, the man that you see today from, from the moralistic standpoint that I run my business and that I treat my prospects. Did you, did you think you were, when you were growing up, like, Hey, I'm going to take over dad's business and I'm going to kind of do that. Or did you have other ambitions? Yeah, I actually, at 17, I got signed to a record label with my band. I toured all over the United States. We ended up getting on a major record label after that. And I thought to myself, this is probably my career and, you know, playing a different city every night. And, you know, being home for 30 plus days at a time and then back on the road again and selling CDs all over the world and, you know, having major lines of distribution and, you know, signing autographs at the end of a show was the weirdest thing in the world. But it was something that, you know, my my high eye personality and my extrovert, you know, my extroverted personality as well, too, just that's what gave me gratification. And more than anything, you know, it it helped me to see that you can make an impact on people's lives that that most people don't get a chance to do. And I think that that's actually one of the driving forces and factors behind me coming back to work with my father that when, when he got sick uh, with a staph infection, it was about the same time that I had decided, you know, I wanted to build a family. I wanted to pursue a career that was a little bit more stable and not with me traveling, leaving my wife at home all the time. And, you know, so I, I had a bigger vision. And, and, and again, I, I think that had a lot to do with my upbringing and, the way that my father portrayed and and lived his life, not just portrayed, but genuinely and authentically lived his life. And so, so at one point I rebelled, you know, so the sales rebellion has a, a couple different, very personal meanings to me. Um, and that's one of them. You know, one of the biggest things that I remember in my walk was that I had the opportunity to go to college and, you know, play sports. And I, I, I rebelled <laughs> and I did what I wanted to do. <laughs> and I went and I played music and it was awesome. And I had a great time and I, I will never forget those days, but there was something calling me home at all, you know, throughout that process. You know, every Friday, just about every Friday, if not, you know, every other Friday, my father and I had a phone call when I was on the road and and it was, you could just hear the sheer joy in his voice when he talked to me. It was never, are you coming home to sell yet? Or, you know, how are you making a lot of money yet? Or it was just, how are you? Are you having fun? Are you enjoying what you're doing? Are other people enjoying what you're doing, <laughs> you know, are they booing you off stage? <laughs> so, so it was, what was, it your, was interesting. Uh, what was your, what did you do? You're a lead singer. Did you play an instrument? What was, what was your part in the band? Yeah, I, I sang, I sang in the band, but I, I definitely, I, I started on guitar actually when we first were founded and I play a few of the, in, the other instruments, um, you know, that are out there. I'm not necessarily an expert by any means, but, but singing was my forte in the band. So what's the, I got to add, like, what's the coolest story you can share from that experience? Dude, literally I could write 16 novels on that experience. Right. But every time someone asks me that question, there's like this one story that pops into mind. And and what I do is I usually pivot from that one (laughs) and I go, what's another one. And I I think one of my favorite stories was uh, from the, the, the touring days was a lot of people like to talk about the big wins and the big hits and the big things that they've done. And those things are cool. Don't get me wrong. But I remember playing a little town in South Dakota (laughs) and, and having, you know, a hundred plus kids show up to this tiny little venue where, you know, we learned the legacy of this, of this town and, you know, the legends of the bands that came before us and got their start here and the local radio station coming out to speak with us and, you know, sponsoring the the show and, 
you know, talking about the the culture, you know, there as far as the scene was concerned and the people and the, you know, their daily lives, right. You know, all the, all the kids that, that enjoyed the music, right. Just the diversity, um, you know, in this tiny little town in the middle of the Midwest, right. That the kind of things that people don't even know exist, right. Out, and that show was a lot of fun because there was this big pole that kind of ran right down the middle of the venue. And we, we were really heavy metal music. And, and I just remember looking out at one point at everybody just going buck wild and thinking, that one of the, the the things that I admire about the human spirit in general is just that no fear mentality. And I'm telling you right now that nobody feared that poll because if you were like a mom or a dad of one of those kids watching, you'd probably be in the corner biting through your fingers, you know, with your nails in your mouth, right? Like thinking, oh God, <laughs> somebody's going to bust their butt and, and, and blood's going to be everywhere. But to watch these these kids come out for a 30 minute set and give their all back to us. Those were the most rewarding times of my music career to enjoy and participate inside of my community, right? You, you've always got the stereotypical people with their arms crossed in the corner, but the, the passion that, that people would bring to our, to our events and, and it would, they, they infected it into me, right? It became something that I, I became addicted to from that perspective of the fellowship side, it just, that's what it felt like, you know, being with your best friends in a room for 30 minutes and then saying goodbye and seeing them again, you know, in 60 days, hundred days, right. You, you, you make it back, but um, you know, those short little glimpses into people's culture and understanding their upbringing and their dreams and their aspirations was something that I very much enjoyed. Was there any, I guess, learning out of that experience that's helped you in a, in a sales professional role? Like yeah, maybe I, being I, on stage, I don't know, you know, anything like that that has been helpful. Being on stage was was definitely helpful. I sold, I was on sales every night, right? I I would load my backpack up with shirts and CDs and stickers and, and pens and buttons, right? And I'd I'd walk around and and tell people, hey, we're playing tonight. We're the second act, or we're the third act, or we're the headline, or whatever it was, right? And I'd I'd say we got, but I got a deal, you know, you, all this stuff is twenty five bucks over the table, but I'll give it to you right now for twenty. And and I had a little Walkman CD player, right? Because this is look, this is like 2004 when we started, 2003. So those things were still popular, and we didn't have iPods yet, right? That what a great invention, by the way. And those are even gone now too, which is hilarious to me. But matter of fact, uh, if Ned Eric is listening to this, shout out to iPods. But the the big the big thing for me was that again, I had to meet with these strange people every night, and that shaped my existence because you had a minute max when you were on stage to capture someone's attention, they'd give you about a minute. And if they didn't like you, you'd know about it. You know, they'd be walking out after the first or second song or, you know, and so you could, you could gauge the room and its temperature and whether or not people even cared. And so every night it was this, this battle of who's going to pull attention from the people that didn't come to see you. Right. That was, that was always the mindset that I had, you know, Hey guys, there's a thousand people at this show. We all know that they didn't come to see us because we're the second act and there's four bands, <laughs> you know? So, but we need to kick butt and take names and and not just impress people, but make them want to learn more and, and need to get to know us better. You know, from, so, so let's carry our hearts on our sleeve and let's have fun and let's, you know, develop relationships, you know, as we walk around and meet people. And, you know, I was absolutely the team captain, you know, from a sales perspective, I was a go-getter and it, it did when I, when I had to come home and do cold calls, it was easy, bro. I mean, I'm just being honest, right. Because I had, I had done it every night with, with very judgmental people. <laughs> so, you know, walking into an office and meeting with a receptionist was it, when they said no. And I walked out, I was like, that was easy. <laughs> Well, that's pretty cool that just that whole experience to be able to go through and, uh, you know, have that to share with folks uh, as you go along. That's pretty awesome. Well, actually, what you just said there, I, I want to dive into. I had a note here, you know, because obviously you have a, a lot of experience from a cold calling or, or being able to show up. And, and you know, I, I remember reading a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, some stuff about just kind of showing up at people's doors and and kind of getting your way into meetings and those type of things, um, which is pretty neat. So let, let's talk to a, a certain audience of so folks that you know, whether they're, they're new in sales, maybe a sales development rep or their account executive, they just don't have a chance to, to do a lot of cold calls, but they have to. Um, what advice would you share to them? Anything that's really helped you get over um, or, or maybe at least help others get over that fear um, the, of the rejection or, or what people are going to say? Yeah, you, 
you can never really get over it, dude. I mean, let's be honest. And and anybody that says that they have some kind of secret tip or, you know, rules that you can follow to 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 force you out of that mindset or to help you even to get out of that mindset. I mean, they're lying. The, the mindset is yours and yours alone. Somebody else can't tell you what to do and how to get out of it. And I so I think that the first thing that reps need to do that are just starting in a business development role or even an account executive role and they're having to make calls, you know, not whether it's knocking on doors or getting on the phone, you need to understand that you got nothing to lose, you know, every day, day in and day out that you, you literally have nothing. What's the worst that can happen? My dad used to say, what's the worst that can happen? You know, somebody hangs up on you. <laughs> but so it starts with a mindset. It starts with acceptance and people that are in the role. You know, I've met people that are in the role that have kind of been forced into it to some capacity, you know, but at the same time they feel, you know, I would like to try this. I would like to make this work because I'm attracted to what sales stands for from, from the purest perspective, you know, and not just, you know, kind of what we've mentioned, you know, the, the industry standard, you know, the slime ball salespeople, like people don't look at that and think, I want to be that, you know, sure. There's, there's still evil on this earth, man. And, and, and listen, I just read some content yesterday that I swear to God, I thought it was a joke, right? People dressing up like, pest control folks to get into an office so that you can trick the receptionist to get to the decision maker. There's some crazy stuff going on out there. There always will be. But the thing about it is, is that sales is a noble profession. And if we go in believing that from the, from day one and believing in ourselves, you know, we will, we will be able to overcome the rejection side because we'll just see it as a piece of the puzzle that has to happen in order to create success. But what a tangible thing that I will tell Everybody, and not that that's not tangible. I mean, anybody listening, change your attitude first and foremost. But the second thing that I would say that's something that you, an action that you can do on a daily basis is make three calls before you start your dials. If you have 100, 150 dials to do, you know, whether it's in a day or in a week, depending on the KPIs that you have to, that you're held standard you know, as a standard to, make three dials in the morning before you dial anybody else. Make the first one to a, a loved one. So you can kind of just have a candid conversation, make the second one to a friend or a colleague so that you can have more of a business minded conversation about getting to these calls, wanted to get hype, right? Have a little bit of a quick conversation with them and then call a mentor or a coach and, and role play your first call. And between those three calls, you'll be primed and ready for that fourth call and you'll fail on that fourth call. I'll just tell you right now. I mean, I did it for years, but eventually you won't even need to do those first three calls. It'll be your first three calls out of your, you know, 150 dials is what it'll turn into. And you'll speak with people nat more naturally. You'll, you'll flip the script, right? As they say, and you'll stop worrying about whether or not you ask the right questions or you handle the objection properly, or you'll instead, you'll just have natural conversations with people. What we forget is that the basics of sales are rooted around psychology and rooted around the the very organic um, traits of a of a conversation. What what does that what does that look like? Right, it, we we convolute it. As soon as you get on the phone and you start dropping the name of your company and and your tonality is an inflection of a sales rep that's just looking to sell something, you failed. Uh, ju just today, for example, I got a call from somebody that you know, wanted to ask me about X Y Z product. And I said, I just want to stop you right there in the middle of his talk track because he was, A, he was taking way too long without getting any of my attention or causing any curiosity in my, in my brain <laughs> whatsoever. And so I, I just want to stop you, bro, and tell you that you need to make an impact on me in these first 10 seconds. I'm a sales trainer. And so, <laughs> right, and I started going into it and I could probably, I could tell a little bit and, and he probably felt this way that in his mind, he was thinking, oh, thank God, <laughs> right? I can, I don't have to be this, this person, this robot for the, in this call. And, and to me, it's, it's an absolutely crazy that we don't feel that way before we pick up the phone and dial somebody. So, so change your mindset, do some practice runs before you get on the, on the phone and remember basic human interaction and, and the psychology of a conversation come into play and they're not the script, and they're not reverses and they're not spin selling. And, you know, those things are all moves, right? And I'm not saying that they're, those things are bad. But what I am saying is, is that people get it now. They always have, but now they get it more than ever. The internet exists. You can literally watch people do these cold calls and say, I don't want to be manipulated like this. 
And every time it happens to you, you hang the phone up on not interested, hang up, not interested, hang up because we live in 2019 people. You need to get with the times. Man, I, I think that's such a great point because yeah, I think a lot of folks, they, they'll read and I, and I hear this even from, you know, some of the different folks I work with and, and, and others where they're like, yeah, Brian, I read this book or, Hey, I, I watched that webinar and they said to do this and, and I'm getting conflicting information. And that's the conversation is similar. To what you're saying is like, just be human. Like you, you can take some of those things, but the reality is you got to be who you are. So if you talk a certain way, if, if you use certain things, do that. Don't try to be a robot. And that, it's kind of that monotone, right? I, I hear folks all the time. And I, I wonder if you get this through your trainings where they have like a great voice and they're such passionate personality people. They get on that first call and it's like they lock up and it's like straight robot. And I'm like, just do what you're doing two minutes ago, right? And that comes off better. Even if you stumble over words, I think people appreciate that more than, yeah. than at least the other way. So yeah. to that point, I mean, do you have any, so you put mentioned about making calls and, and again, whether someone has 50 or 100 or 150, whatever their KPIs are, are there certain, and maybe it's habits that you had during your time as the copier warrior to what you're doing now to people for the, for, to structure their day. Cause there's a lot of, as we know, people do way too much research. There's a lot of time robbers out there. Is there anything mm -hmm. that you found helpful for, to form habits, to make sure that you're actually hitting the, the things you have to hit each day? Of course. Yeah. I, it's a great question. And I, over time developed for myself, which is actually a curriculum at salesrebellion.com that's called roots. Um, but I, I developed those, those cadences for myself. I call them my rhythms, you know, for me, like the day needs to be a rhythm and I'm a musician. So it's a little bit different for me, right? Like everything to me is a beat at all times. And, and there's beauty in that for me, right? So I romanticize the future relationship that I'm going to have with my prospects, you know? And, and so like, that's what a rhythm is for me, where I get into this mindset and this mode that is unstoppable. And I believe that it's unstoppable. Even when I'm being told no, I believe that the next call will be better. And the one after that will be even, even greater. And that, and the one after that will make more impact than I ever knew possible. And so perseverance is a big key, uh, to the, in the recipe, to get to that success. So, you know, for me and the roots curriculum that we have, I talk about like, what do you do in the morning? I call it the, the early bird eats better, right? What, what do you do when people aren't awake, right? Are you dreaming of women of winning or are you up and about and getting prepared, you know, for battle, right? And not that sales is, is, is a war by any means, but you know, I like to use the analogy of, of the soldier that wakes up in the morning, knowing that he could potentially die. Do you think that they just kind of you know, take a light shower and put some sandals on and not sharpen a sword and put a helmet on that doesn't fit. No, I mean, they are prepared. They know the ramifications. And so if you were to turn every day on from the start thinking that you, that the things you are about to do are extremely important to other people's existence, because what we're doing in sales is we're giving people the experience that they deserve right? We're not selling them a product, right? We're giving them an experience. And that's, that's a big piece of the mindset in, inside of, again, inside of like your habits of time management, you know, your consistencies throughout the day, your routines, your rhythms that, that all kind of play in together. But, you know, I, I like to even think from the perspective of time management that my roots curriculum is the golden ticket for me, right? It's not going to be for everybody, right? But it's my golden ticket. And so what I like to say to people is take these ideas and don't do them exactly as I'm telling you, understand the cause and effect behind it all. Understand that in the more, why is it important to be up in the morning? Why is it important to, to make sure that your lunches are, are not just a time for you to check out, but to uh, revitalize yourself and into fellowship with other people, right? There's so many different things that we just don't think about throughout our day from a mindset perspective that again, like the habits themselves are what they are. You know, they can be different and they can vary from person to person. They have to, because that's authenticity. But the psychology behind our day is very basic, right? We, we muddy it up constantly, right? We, and especially when we get on the phones, a lot of times we, we are so focused on getting to that 150 dials that we forget that we're interacting with actual people and not 150 prospects, <laughs> you know, that why make 150 dials if you can have 10 calls that are actual, that have substance and that actually give you a result in the first place. You know, so when I think about people that are just picking up and going through the motions, I think you're wasting everyone's time, the prospects, yours, 
everyone's, the companies, because you're not, you could care less about what happens in those first 10 dials. It's only when you get to like 120 and nobody said yes, that you're like, oh my God, I only have 30 left. Somebody better say something. And, and, and even then you become more desperate and it's it just, it's a sick cycle, right? Is, is the problem. And so, so the big thing that I think reps should be focused on inside of their daily walk is discipline uh, when it comes to the focus that they have toward the outcomes that they're looking to create and not the KPIs. Even if your boss tells you these are the KPIs I need you to hit, you need to flip that and say, okay, they're asking me to hit these things because these things will get me a result. Well, what if I focused on that result? What would change? For for your own business, again, going back to sales rebellion a little bit, if I circle back to that, how did you get your first couple clients? Did you already have those kind of locked up before you transitioned? Or was that something you're like, hey, I'm giving myself a little runway window of I, I got to get some, some, some clients to train and work with? This is going to sound crazy, but I have not made one cold call at the sales rebellion. Every single person that I've done business with are people that have come to me and said, I want to use your services. Matter of fact, my first, my very, very first client came to me when I was still selling copiers and said, Hey, listen, I want to hire you. And if you won't come and sell for me, come train my people. And, and what's crazy is that to me, that's the divine intervention. And it was, it was at the time and it's still, it will always be, it'll be a story for the ages from the legacy of what I leave behind when I'm done with this walk and that I was really seriously thinking about doing this full time, you know, on the side, I had coached people here and there after hours over the weekends, right. You know, you still practicing integrity in my walk and that I still committed to a company full time and, and also making sure that the people that I trained were outside of the state of Florida or not my competitors. And, and in the process of doing so, I thought, man, I like this, you know, I love this, but, but also, because of who I am, um, and I am somebody just to, to define that I am somebody that battles with depression. And because of that, it, you might not ever think that about me. You might read my content and see who I am and think, "Man, this guy's confident in who he is." And like I, I have some pretty dark, you know, and, and and real demons that haunt me and and attack me on a daily basis. And so for me, like it is a constant struggle. And so to to be sitting back on my computer, getting a LinkedIn message from someone stating those things to me is powerful because I am also a man of action. Like I believe that I have been called to this earth for something greater than the normal human, you know, allows themselves to, to accomplish. You know, so for me, it's, I always think bigger and like, what could come of this and, and how do we get there? And is it my calling or should I allow somebody else to do it instead? Right. Those are, those are kind of the ways that I look at it and boom, you know, LinkedIn message. And all of a sudden I've got 117 students, you know, it is about the round number right now that we're, we're about to lock up as of July. So, which is a crazy number, right? It's crazy to think that suddenly I went from zero to 117 different students over uh, a four month time frame. <laughs> no, that's pretty incredible. And and part of that too, I think you'd have to agree has been, it just didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, you've been building a brand online for a while and you've been sharing great content and you've been interacting with people. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I, I think some folks are like, well, yeah, Dale's doing it, but he, you know, he got lucky or he, whatever. It's like, no, he actually put in a lot of time in the past. How important is that for folks to build their online brand, even if it's in their current industry that they, they do, or just in general showing who they are? I'm curious if you can speak on that for a little bit. Yeah. If, if you want to be successful outside of the way that people define it on this earth, you know, that, that I should, I shouldn't even say on this earth, I should say the status quo defines success. If you want real success, if you want to take your and elevate yourself to that next level, you feel that that's your calling, that the biggest thing is to put in the work. You know, so, so a guy that I respect greatly uh, recently in a conversation that, that I was having with him on the phone with his son, he said, hey, look, if you want to get a little bit more than everybody else, then you got to put in a little bit more than everybody else. And, I, and in my head, it's like, we've all heard that over time, right? But it's so awesome to hear it from people that have done it at the same time, you know, so here I am somebody that's starting, uh, you know, up from nothing and, and getting that piece of advice and that wisdom put back into me. Cause to me, truly it's the basics that we have to continue to focus on right in sales. It's, you know, continue to focus on the role play that, that you do at least once a week with your boss or your colleagues, because you've got to continue to sharpen yourself, right. Continue to throw ideas at people like, Hey, what do you think about, 
using this inside of our talk track, you know, when we're first engaging somebody or what do you think about using interrupt marketing pieces or, you know, always be learning and always be growing from that perspective. But, but what I'll say about the personal brand side is that you have to do it. There is no question if you want this kind of success that doesn't just exist in the world that's beyond the mediocre, that is the legend that you were meant to be. You've got to put the time and the effort in to build it as well too. So, I mean, I put countless hours. I mean, think about this, that in 2017, I'd been posting content up until then between medium.com, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And actually I had my LinkedIn and my Twitter accounts tied together. So I, I did 180 characters onto my LinkedIn and it shot over to my Twitter. Um, I didn't really post a lot of content into my Facebook, but my dad and I shared that page and he shot up a devotional every day. So if you, if you think about it, I was kind of cultured from that perspective where my dad, like every morning, he posted up this devotional that he would take out of a book and write himself back in 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. So that was kind of my upbringing in content, right? And so in 2017, though, I sat back and said, you know what, like posting content sporadically and using this strategy of tying platforms together, it's not really the way it works. The way it works is that the platforms are unique. And so speak to them uniquely. The platforms have their own strengths and weaknesses. And so utilize their strengths and learn from their weaknesses. And so I said, you know what? LinkedIn gives you 1,300 characters. I'm going to start posting long form. August 1st, 2017, I had 750 odd LinkedIn connections. I probably sent 690 of those requests myself. I have literally not added somebody on LinkedIn since, and I have almost 12,000 connections. And, 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 realistically 5,000, 6,000 of those are actually followers because I have the follow button on my page. Um, and so a lot of people just click that instead. So, so there's your, there's your proof in the pudding every day from August 1st, 2017 until today, excluding the weekends and excluding times when I'm out of town with my family or on a work trip that, that takes all my time because you have to be present in specific moments as well too. But, but it is important to commit to the personal brand that you're trying to build and important to commit to the kind of content that you want to share with me. You want people to buy into you. The best way to get their buy-in is to share your heart. And, And the content space is the way to do that because people can see and feel and hear your authenticity by reading the words that you write. So really realistically, anybody listening, if you're not pursuing a, a content strategy and a personal brand strategy, even a corporate str- branding strategy that that complements, you know, the, the walk of the salespeople inside of your office, right? It, you're you're definitely never going to get to that place that you want to, from my perspective. And what about going? And I want to go back to this again. The, the kind of moment in time you mentioned, you had that opportunity to, you know, go train some folks, and that maybe helped bridge to to the sales rebellion. But you obviously were thinking about this for a while. Um, I know a lot of folks struggle with their, their and you talked about because they're kind of in the status quo, right? They're working a certain job. Maybe they hate it and they're complaining. They want to get out of it, but they really have a, you know, basically a hardship to say, I actually want to take that next step. Is there anything you would coach them on or th- something you learned through that journey um, that might be helpful to at least get them thinking in a different you know direction? Yeah. You know, I would say that the thing that probably created the success that I'm having now is that I was intentional about every single moment uh, of, of my walk as a copier rep. And, and what that translates to is that, you know, I, I just saw people today that I've sold copiers to my entire existence as a sales rep, right. And, 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 and saw them in a capacity of just fellowship, right. And you know, that, that, that reached out to me. I was like, Hey, you want to hang <laughs> right. It was the kind of the concept, you know, earlier today. And, and and for me, if you look at that and think about it, like I started as these people's copier rep, but but because I was intentional with all my actions and everything that I shared with them, you know, I tell people all the time that folks would say to me, well, when you're famous, don't forget about me. They would make jokes like that, right? Because I, I, in my community, I ran it, man. I mean, I was... I was on every single not-for-profit board that that I that I got behind, that I had a passion for and wanted to get behind in my community. I didn't procrastinate about those things. I served on the Economic Development Commission as a as the president, one of the, one of the youngest presidents to ever the youngest president to ever run that organization uh, for two terms. Right, I, I got involved with the entrepreneurial side of of my community as well too. And, and, you know, I did, I helped with sales advocacy when possible, but for the most part, I helped with what my community 
was focused on, right? I, I, I served, you know, it was the concept for me. And, and so being intentional in your walk from that perspective, it leads to different things because, and, and here's the thing is that people will see what it's leading to for you. In most cases, I had so many people say, can you help me with my sale? You're so good at sales, dude, which in my mind, I'm just like rolling my eyes. Like I'm not that good guys. <laughs> can I still feel that way? Right. Because I believe that I'm still green. I'm still learning. I'm still coming up and developing my own theories, but I, I have a passion for it. And I have a massive amount of success with it. And so I know I can share that piece of it, right? And help people to find their own. And I think that's what, what makes it the most powerful when someone says to you, hey, can you help me with this, right? And you're not even advertising that, right? You're just walking and living that role as, as somebody that is intentional about the things that you want to accomplish. The rest of it falls into place. And so spending 13 years in B2B sales and doing just that, you know, when I said I've started my own business, people wrote back to me or commented on my announcement post or sent me a text when they saw it or heard from one of my family members and said, it's about time. Yeah, that's good, man. That's well. And, and I think that's a testament. And this is one of the things I want to ask you, too. If, you, if we can peek behind the curtain, if you can give us some unique perspective, most folks and I'm going to throw most in the category. I know I'm not even great at it um, in, a, in a lot of ways is the follow-up and staying in relationship. Again, we bring in a new partner. You keep in touch. Maybe you make a few phone calls. You check in. How are things going? Have you done anything unique to keep in touch with people um, over the years that, that you've obviously worked with or maybe sold copiers to or whatever? Anything unique you'd share besides just the every once in a while phone call email? Yeah, I, I can't stand the just checking an email. Like it was, I mean, it was probably one of the craziest things to me, when, when I was taught, actually, and not by my father, mind you, um, when I was taught that it's important every 90 days to call somebody and say, just checking in. <laughs> you know, I, I thought, wow, like, what in the world is the purpose behind that? Like telling somebody that I'm just checking in, right? Well, just tell them straight up that you just want to know if it's okay to sell them something else or to upgrade their existing services. Because that's the only reason you're checking in in the first place. You know, you're just trying to make sure that you keep a little FaceTime so at some point you can go, but I've been such a good rep. <laughs> Why wouldn't you go with me again, right? So I think that it's the statistic is something like, 80% of sales require like multiple follow-ups. And I think it's somewhere around like three to five after the initial meeting. Um, and then it's something like 44% of, of sales reps, they give up after the first follow-up, right? Or, they, or they're lackadaisical to some capacity. And so they lose. And I, I remember I ran that number one time in, in, and it was probably several years ago at this point. So I don't know how outdated that statistic is, but I'd run the numbers one time and it was like 9% of salespeople, like if I did the math correctly, 9% of salespeople actually follow up <laughs> like diligently. And if you think about that and everybody listening, thinking about that, you have a shot at every single sale that is that has brought you into play, right? Because there's a very good chance that you're the only person that's going to follow up if you're, if you're focused on it. So I created, which is another curriculum uh, that we haven't launched on the website yet. We're kind of easing into the curriculum uh, getting feedback on the first couple that we put up. One's one's for prospecting, and the other one's for habits and 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 rhythms. You know the roots course that I've put up, but the the next one that's coming up is we call it the living pipeline. Um, you know my my concept of it is that a long time ago I, I I drew a funnel on my whiteboard and and I was you know throwing all these names in it and 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 one day I was sitting there and thinking about it and how impersonal that was you know and and just oh God it just it bothered me to think that we fill this thing up to shove as many people as we possibly can down this tiny little exit at the bottom, you know, and it, it, it slowly became something to me that I despised. And so I used to say that your pipeline is rusty, leaking and outdated, <laughs> you know, is what I kind of, how I presented to my other reps, you know, and I, I would say you're, but you need to remember that your pipeline is alive, but the people inside of it are, they're active in, in the local culture and the community and they're, they're human beings, right? They're, they're not somebody that you go to and say, Hey, you're fired. Good luck finding a new job, right? They're, they're people that you go to and say, Hey, look, it's not working out. Let me give you a month's severance or, or even, Hey, for the next month, I'm going to pay you and you're going to be employed here, but go find a new job. <laughs> you know I mean? The, like sometimes it doesn't work out with people, right? And it's the same with a prospect, right? Like we have to remember that the daily struggle is the same that we're going through in the 
in our companies in most cases. There's no difference, right? Maybe the roles are different, but they're still humans at the end of the day. They need to be treated respectfully. You need to walk in that front door and you need to be smiling and you need to be happy to see the receptionist. And you need to be also, you need to be empathetic of their situations, right? You know, and so there, there's a lot of things that I think the living pipeline does for people from a mindset standpoint, an attitude standpoint, but for the, for the, for the biggest, you know, piece of it or the biggest piece of it that I, I believe that it teaches people is to your question, how to properly nurture an account that tells you we're in a four-year contract, call us then. Or how to properly nurture an account that says, it, you know, we're, we're ready to buy within the next 90 days, right? What are the steps you take next? What are the, and, and I perfected this for myself. And, and so I've put together, you know, my own curriculum and I teach reps how to enact this as well too, that are in my coaching programs. And the concept being that a lot of it is just their touches, right? Because it is important. Like, like I was saying, you know, the whole concept of just checking in. Right. We send that email because it's important to stay relevant inside of, of, of your buyer's culture, right? And and their daily grind. You know, you don't want someone else to suddenly be checking in from another company and and your prospect to slowly think, well, I haven't heard from Dale in two years. So I don't know what his deal is, but I'm gonna give this other person who won't stop bothering me a shot. And, and, and usually that's how sales are lost. Right. But so I sat back and thought like, how do we, how are we, how do we become pleasant with this as well too, instead of making people feel like we're, we're numb to the process or that we're bothering them. Right. Like I said a second ago. So, you know, how do we create a better culture behind follow-up? And so, you know, the first thing being that you've got to be focused on the human sitting behind that, that chair. Uh, and, and the idea of two, what is their role? And, and, and the biggest piece that was my success was that I didn't just follow up with the decision maker. I'm telling you right now, if you had 150 employees, I needed everyone to know thy name. <laughs> because if I did, that it wasn't just about the decision maker and whether or not they wanted to go with me. It became this thing of, we have to give Dale the business. He's done so much work. Everyone in here knows who he is. He's helped, he's helped with, with problems that we have, and he's not even our vendor, right? Was, was what I wanted people to think and say. And so, you know, you, you can put a lot of time into this as well too. And so the way that I've structured it is, is, is healthy because time is fleeting. I talk about this all the time, that time is like the most important thing that we can give to one another. And so we need to think of it that way. And it's not eight hours. It's not eight to five. It is your existence. Because look, if we sit back and say, it's a 40 hour work week, we forget that destiny could find us tomorrow and we could be called home and off this earth forever. So what are you doing right now to impact the people around you and to impact your prospects and make them want to be a part of your culture? Yeah, that's that's great words there, Dale. Yeah, I, I, I love the passion behind that because I think, like I said, that's a that's – a, big misconception. A lot of folks don't do it as well as they should. So that's awesome. Are you going to have that? When, when do you have that coming up on the website? Is that, is that another, uh, is that another you, a spoiler you can, you can throw? <laughs> it's, it shouldn't be too long. We we'll have six modules up there sooner than later. You know, we're again, like we're kind of AB testing as we go here and, and having people take the courses and you know, we, you know, we're about to start running click funnels and, you know, just all the things that I kind of did as a copier rep um, from my perspective of, you know, how do we bring in, that new business um, without making a cold call. Cause again, like I, like I told you, like we haven't made one cold call, right? So like, so the, the concept here is how do we just get people so excited and curious about what's next that we don't really have to do a whole lot. We just have to put the effort in to the quality of work that we get out there and give people the results they're looking for. Because if one person takes one of my ideas and makes a sale, we've done our job. And that's the, that's the concept, but I want a full impact, right? So, so that's why we've, instead of just throwing everything out and saying, hey, run through all six of these courses, I think that also the strategy is, is that, hey, let's really dive into these couple that are up there. And then we'll get another couple out and we'll dive into those, right? And, and so we do that with our, with our clients that are, that are on monthly retention with us. And it's a lot of fun, right? Because they are, again, they're curious, like, what's next? <laughs> what comes yeah, out? Keep, I, 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 you know, keep that, that fresh, you know, new car smell, right? You want right. to see what's out there and, and have some good content. And, yeah. and speaking of that, is there anything that you do um, from a learning standpoint? Um, I, are you still running your podcast? I, I am. It's, it's, I'll tell everybody out there that wants to run a business, run a podcast, write their own content. It's tough. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I'm about to actually record 
a, a couple dozen five minute episodes. We're going to start cutting back from, you know, we got 40 odd uh, episodes out right now. But we're going to cut back a little bit and, and um, from the perspective of the time, you know, cause I, in the beginning, every podcast was like less than 10 minutes. And so we're going to get back to that, the roots of that and just basically give people the content that they desire from the perspective of how do we help you to learn? Like the podcast is going to be one of those tools. So, but, but yeah, man, it's, it's not easy, but, but I do love our podcast and I love being on them as well too. It's, it's one of those things that's just, it's fun. Yeah. Well, so besides your own podcast and stuff like that, is, is there any, is there any podcasts you'd recommend books you'd recommend that have been helpful and they could be sales related or, or otherwise they could be something different. Um, anything that's been helpful for you over your career that you'd recommend? Yeah. So the first thing I always recommend is there's a, there's a little known author. And I say that um, I, I'm totally being sarcastic. He's like wall street journal cartoonist and, you know, New York times bestselling author, but, <laughs> but he, he has a book that I read when I was first getting into sales and it is called how to get a meeting with anyone. And if oh, anybody Steve, is listening Steve right Heimer. now, yeah, former, Stu former guest of their podcast. Yeah. yeah. He was, awesome. he was actually, Stu was one of uh, my silent mentors, as I like to say, you know, where his book had such an impact on me from the perspective of the concepts that he was putting out. You know, Stu and I had a conversation one time where he said, this might sound crazy, but I, I want to teach people how to get the meeting a hundred percent of the time, you know, like how to make 10 calls and get 10 meetings. And I, you know, to me, that's the end result that we're all looking for more than anything. And so is there a formula to that? And I absolutely believe there is. And actually his book coming out, Get the Meeting, is is going to be groundbreaking from that perspective. It, it is definitely going to cause people to turn their heads and there's going to be some drama with it. I'm sure, you know, oh, this doesn't work. These statistics are wrong, right? Whatever, you know, everybody's got an opinion about it. But my thing is, is that I can, I, you know, you can hear me on this podcast right now tell you that the idea behind content marketing and and being th this concept of being audacious and, and interrupting patterns and building relationships is what created the copier warrior. And it's what had me writing the most net new business and being the number one rep year over year over year at my company. So, so that's the first thing that I tell everybody to read when I talk to them, go check out Stu Heineck. Um, and he's got a great podcast as well too, but James Carberry runs a, a, a podcast called B2B growth. Um, and you should definitely check that out. But he also has a podcast called the Crockpot, And a lot of people, and not, not enough people know about the Crockpot yet. And so I want to throw it out there. It's something that, that I listen to and that I enjoy and that everybody else should do the same. You know, James is a great guy. He's a, he got the entrepreneurial mindset. He's very, he's addictively um, positive. You know, when you're in his presence, you just feel loved. And I, I think those are the kind of things that this generation of millennials especially are looking for like we're, we're looking for community, right? And it's not because we're full of snowflakes, right? Sure. There are some of us out there, but, but it's because we care about other human beings. We just don't know how to express that fully sometimes. Right. But a guy like James is the kind of person that when you listen to his thoughts and his ideas and the B2B growth show is amazing because of the guests they have on the, again, the, the testimonials, the, the concepts, the, the groundbreaking things that are happening in business. Those, those, those would definitely be, you know, just the types of things that you want to be surrounding yourself with and, and feeding your soul with and in order to grow and, and become, you know, more substantial in your space. No, that's that's awesome to mention. Yeah, and James is also on the podcast. So I'll make sure that everyone listening to link up those <laughs> old episodes because yeah, and James and I try to keep in touch every once in a while. He's got, a, I think, his book's coming out in October, if I recall, right? Yeah, um, so I, I don't know the date, but soon, so. something like that. Yeah, so yeah, he's a great dude. Well, and, and it goes back to too. I think the as you mentioned, kind of that network opportunity nowadays where. You know, I know you guys are doing the Orlando. Don't you do the local, like the LinkedIn local stuff and, and meetups and what have you? But just being able to, like, everyone wants others to succeed. It's not kind of that, like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, it's kind of it's not cutthroat. Like, I want you to succeed versus you want me. To, and I think that's what's cool about you know some of these great groups that have been formed. Um, even if, you know, like I said, you and I haven't met before in person, um, but you have these great groups of people that we know and, and what have you. So I think it's really neat just, you know, what's going on um, and how people can propel others to uh, obviously their successes. So I appreciate mentioning James and, and Stu and I'll, I'll link those up. Anything else you'd share? Any other, um, you know, maybe books that have been vital for you or anything else? Podcasts? You like to listen to podcasts or like sales yeah. podcasts, business, murder mystery? What do you, what do you like to listen yeah, to? Yeah. You know, I, I, I like podcasts, but like, I, you know, I'm a, I live in a fantasy world, dude. Like my imagination is what, 
has created the success that I've, I've acquired as well too. I'm a very, I'm a very creative personality. And so for me, like science fiction is, is, is it right. So like if, if you were to come and look at my bookshelf, you'd see more star Wars books than you can count. And if you were to, if you were to listen to the podcast that I have lined up, you'd find like coast to coast, <laughs> you know? So I, I like to live in this world where I can continue to expand my, my thought process from the perspective of creativity more than anything. And so there are some great podcasts, dude. You know, I, I can think of a dozen right now, but what I would say to people is it, don't focus so much on what can I listen to or, or what habits can I have from the perspective of, you know, soaking in knowledge, you know, from other people's ideas and books, like be focused on what do you want to accomplish? And did the people that, again, the, the people that have done it before you do, is their mindset and their capabilities and the things that they're teaching, do they resonate with you? And if they do latch to those things, right? You know, I latched to Stu Hynek because he's somebody, again, that changed my life. You know, I, I latched to, to David Sandler because I think he's a brilliant sales trainer and he, you know, God rest his soul is not with us anymore and hasn't been for quite some time, but you can't keep, teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar was the first sales book I ever read. And it, it gave me perspective. Is everything in there perfect? No. Are, is there a lot of things I disagree with in people's writings and in their podcasts? Absolutely. And that's normal. That's what makes the human effect so amazing. All the different perspectives and the authenticity of people, right? You know, I can even think of um, one of my mentors, Steve Noodleberg, and his book, Confessions of a Serial Salesman. I mean, it is a, it's a wonderful read right? But is it going to help you in your sales walk? Well, I should say, yes, it is. Is it going to change everything about who you are? No, that's your choice, right? It's not Steve's and the book doesn't do that for you either, right? So so if, if you're out and you're, my, my big thing is, is that a lot of times it's other people's opinions of something that that cause us to get stuck, right? They say, oh, this person says, this is a great thing to listen to or a great book to read. And we dwell on that a little too much. And we forget that we're reading it or we're listening to it because we're searching for an outcome in order to help ourselves so that we can serve our community. And this has been awesome. Where, where can everyone find you online, Dale? Yeah, you can pretty much Dale Dupree into Google and just find the heck out of me. But you can you can search me at Dale Dupree on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me at sales rebellion on Twitter at sales rebellion on Instagram. Uh, you can find me, uh, at sales rebellion, even on Facebook or the copier warrior on Facebook. I, and I don't mind people connecting to me on my personal Facebook. I'll say that here on this show. I've never really actually said that, but I, I write a lot of very personal things on my Facebook, but my Facebook is public, uh, because I, I do believe in, in intertwining, you know, my, my, my work life, with, with my, my personal life. I believe in blurring the line. I'm big on that. And so, so find me on any platform, like come engage with me, ask me questions. I'm here to serve. And, and, and you've heard me say that a million times, but seriously, there's a lot of people out there that I've talked to hundreds of thousands over the last couple of years um, that have literally just called me for 30 minutes and allowed me to, to help them with an opinion on something or to give them some guidance with, with this or with that. And I encourage it because the sales rebellion is not just a company. We are a movement and we are looking for people to pick up the torch in their local communities, whether they're global, right? Whether they're, you know, a 30 mile radius from the office, right? But we are looking for people to infect others with hope inside of their territories and to, and to lead a rebellion against the status quo of sales and start to change the game, not just for themselves, but for the, the glory of their legacy and the people that will follow behind us. Dale, thanks so much, man. This is awesome. I was, like I said, at the beginning, I, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. I'm glad to get you on. I know there was literally no like path went down. It was so tangential <laughs> with all the all the different <laughs> stuff we talked about. But hey, that's what makes us fun. So we can kind of do whatever we want. So for sure, um, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for, for taking the time out and, uh, and for joining today. Absolutely, dude. Thanks for having me on. It's been an honor. Hey, everyone. I hope you got a lot of value out of that episode. And just one more quick thing before you run along on your day. If you haven't been enjoying these interviews and these shows, um, I really appreciate it if you head over to iTunes, give me a rating, leave me a review, let me know how I'm doing. Um, it's the only way I can make this podcast better each and every episode. Um, and connect with me online um, at Brian Andreco or at Just Get Started Podcast on Instagram. Or check out my website, brianandreco.com. Um, that's where I house the podcast, my blog articles. Um, I even have a now page to update everyone in the last couple months 
of what's been going on in my life. Um, at worst, it's for my mom so she can keep tabs on me and make sure I'm okay. Uh, but I've really enjoyed the feedback so far. This has been phenomenal. Um, what's been accomplished so far with this podcast and all the great guests I've had and really excited for the trajectory going forward. And really, the gratitude goes to you guys for listening, for chiming in, for giving me feedback. Um, and for keep listening and keep pressing play. Um, obviously, you guys are getting some value out of this. So I, I'm so grateful for just the opportunity um, to share these messages with you. Um, so I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.